Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Honor and reverence to the reading of his word. I've been in 2 Corinthians 4 now. This will be the third message. I preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night out of 2 Corinthians 4. And I want to go back here again today, um, tonight, and probably on Wednesday night also. And um, I, I'm going to try to conclude it then, but I'm not going to rush it either because there's so much in this chapter that I think we need right now. Here's what I want to look at. I want to look at verse number 8 and 9 tonight or today. I look at verse 8 this morning and verse 9 tonight. The Bible said this, uh, We are troubled uh, on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, uh, but not in despair. Persecuted, uh, but not forsaken. Cast down, uh, but not Destroy it. Now I want to continue our series that we've been looking at the past three services uh, on feigning not in the ministry in which we've used verse number one. Uh, Therefore seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, uh, we faint not as a launching pad in this series. Father, help us today. Father, Lord, as we're coming into the close of another year, God, that you have uh, done abundantly and above all that we could ask or think in our church. Father, I stand amazed at what you're doing and, Lord, what you continue to do and, God, what you're going to do. I believe that in all of my heart. But God, sometimes as we are diligently working in the fields that God has put us in, we do become weary. There's times that we do begin to faint. And God, you've just really placed in my heart over um, God the next few weeks and the past week, God dealing with us and God just trying to encourage me and encourage our church uh, to continue in the good fight that you put us in. I pray, God, that we would get strength from your word this morning. God, that we would apply it to our lives. God, I pray especially for Sweet Home this morning as they're voting on Brother Jake. I pray that everything goes smooth there in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. I started last Sunday and we've used verse number one primarily as our text or a springboard in studying of chapter number 4 of 2 Corinthians. The Bible said, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, uh, as we have received mercy, we faint not. I never preached the entirety of that message. Let me give you the points just real quick, and then we'll move on. I see this, the realization that Paul says, uh, we have this ministry. Um, It's not my ministry, it's not your ministry, it's God's ministry, and we have it together. We're all on uh, the same team. And if you'll do what you'll do, uh, and I'll do what I can do, God will do what we can't, and we'll have a productive ministry for him. So we see Paul's realization. We see Paul's uh, uh, receiving uh, in verse number one. He said, as we have received mercy. Uh, Paul remembers that the reason uh, he does what he does is because there was a day uh, God extended mercy to Paul uh, and God saved him. But then uh, in the latter portion of that verse, there is a reckoning uh, that takes place. Know what the Bible said? Uh, We found 
faint not. That is a direct statement. Paul is saying to us, we are not going to faint in this ministry. He said, we faint not. He didn't say, maybe we're going to faint. He didn't say, maybe we're not going to faint. He said, no, we faint not. There is a reckoning. That word reckoning means to calculate something and come to the sum of it. When I calculate that I'm not the only one in the ministry, and when I calculate I get to do what I do because of the mercies of God, and I come to a, a sum of that, what does that equal? That equals this. I'm going to make it in the ministry. Amen? We don't have to throw in the towel. We don't have to to quit. We don't have to give up. We can make it in the service of God. Now, I want to skip down to verse number 8 and begin dealing with verse number 8 tonight or this morning. The Bible said this, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. I read this this week. It says, the supreme characteristic of the Christian is not that he does not fall, but that every time he falls, he rises again. It's not that he is never beaten, but he is never ultimately defeated. He may lose a battle along the way, but he knows at the end of the day that he will never lose the war. You want me to tell you the reason we're not going to lose the war? Because I've read the back of the book and we win. Amen? Uh, one day our change will take place that Job talked about uh, and we'll be at home in heaven uh, where it's perfect peace, joy, uh, and happiness. Amen? But Paul is saying uh, on this side uh, there will be some battles along the way. On this side there will be uh, some hardships along the way. Paul is saying on this side of eternity there will be things that there are times that we just don't understand why it is the way it is. Let me give you two points this morning. I'll give you two points tonight. Number one, I'm going to preach quick. Number one this morning, I want you to see this. We are pressured. We are pressured. What did he say? We are troubled on every side, yet, that's important right there. That's important right there. Not distressed. We are pressured. Here's what I wrote beside of that. We are squeezed, but you're going to like this one right here, but not squashed. Y'all know the difference, don't you? You can squeeze a tomato, but you can squash a tomato. And when you squash a tomato, you got a big mess. We are squeezed. We are pressured. We are squeezed, but not squashed. What does he mean, we are troubled? The word trouble literally means in the Greek to be squeezed, compressed, pressured. It was used to describe the crushing or pressing of grapes or to suffer tribulation. It was also used to describe the process or the pressing of a crowd or a wrestler that would press against his opponent. 
Paul was troubled on every side, which means in every imaginable way, place, or occasion, he was pressed down. He was squeezed. Is there ever times in our life that the pressure is so great against us that we feel like that we are literally being squeezed? Uh, uh, Thursday night, I think it was Thursday night. Yeah, Thursday night. Um, we had our Christmas party for the fire department. We were sitting around talking and um, one of the guys that was there, we was talking and he began to talk to me about anxiety. And we began to talk back and forth about anxiety. And he said, you know, Jonathan, he said, there's times. He said, it just feels like um, it starts here and it begins going up my arm and it just feels like it's overtaking me. And I tell you something, that's the way the world is to us sometimes. That's the way trials is to us sometimes. That's the way heartaches is to us sometimes. It seems that the trials of this life has wrapped its arms around us and is squeezing the very life out of us. I thought about these verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 5. Paul says this, For when we were come into Macedonia... Our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side without were fighting and within were fears. Listen to what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. For we could not, or for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. Listen to this. But in God which raiseth the dead. You know what Paul was saying? He was saying this in those moments in our life when we feel like we are being squeezed, that we do not rely on ourselves. We do not rely on our own strength. We do not rely on what we can do within ourselves. But we learn to rely on God, which raiseth the dead, is what he said. Uh, there may be times that our trials pressure us to the point that we cannot bear any more problems. Have you ever felt like you was there? We feel as if, we feel as if a heavy weight is crushing us. But then God intervenes on our behalf and delivers us from our calamities. His grace, His power, His presence sustains us. This is what's happened to Paul. In spite of being surrounded by pressure and trouble, Paul confidently says, we are not distressed. What did he say? He said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. When you study the literal meaning of the word out, here's what it means. To be confined in a narrow, tight place with no way out. Crushed, compressed, cramped, distressed, or anguished. Paul is saying that he feels like that. He is being squeezed, but he is not squashed. He said, yes, the troubles of this life may come against me. Yes, they may be bad days in my life. Yes, the storms that may be raging in my life. Oh, but there's someone living inside of me that allows me to not be distressed. I may be squeezed, but I'm not squashed in my trouble. I'm preaching on feigning not. 
Let me tell you the reason we can faint not tonight or this morning. It's because in our troubles we have somebody with us. Yes, we may be troubled, but not in distress. And there may be times we are squeezed, but not squashed. We may be compressed, but not crushed. With Paul, there was always an upward look. Even though he was hard-pressed and cramped, he was not boxed in with no escape. He found emotional and spiritual support and freedom in Christ Jesus alone. I'm going to say something to you today. That's where we must learn to draw our strength from. I read this and I'll give you the next point. There was a nuclear submarine that was named Thresher. And it had, set, uh, it had heavy steel bunkheads and heavy steel armor. So it could dive deep and withstand the pressure of the ocean. Unfortunately, on a test run in 1963, the Thresher's nuclear engine quit and it could not get back to the surface. It sank deeper and deeper into the ocean. The pressure became immense. The heavy steel bulkheads buckled and the thresher was crushed with 129 people inside. The Navy searched for the thresher with a research craft that was much stronger than the submarines. It was shaped like a steel ball and was lowered into the ocean on a cable. They finally located the thresher at a depth of 8,400 feet, one and a half miles deep. It was crushed like an eggshell. That was not a surprise, but the pressure at the depth is tremendous. Matter of fact, whenever you study it, it's 3,600 pounds per a square inch at that depth. What was surprising to the searchers was the fact that they saw fish at that great depth. And these fish did not have any or did not have inches of steel to protect them. They appeared to have normal skin, a fraction of an inch thick. How can these fish survive under all that pressure? Why are they not crushed by the weight of the water? They have a secret. They found their secret was this. They have the same pressure inside themselves as they have on the outside of themselves. They have the same pressure on the inside as they do on the outside. Can I make a practical application to that? Here's a practical application. We have the same pressure on the inside, if not a greater pressure on the inside than we do on the outside. Yes, the world may come against us, but can I remind you of what the Bible said in 1 John 4, 4? Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Yes, the pressure of this world may come against us but if God be for you who can be against you we're more than conquerors in the Lord Jesus Christ we are pressured squeezed but not squashed number two what did he say we are perplexed but not in despair I see we are pressured but number two I see we're perplexed here it is confused but not confounded. 
confused but not confounded. Paul continues to describe the conflicts we all face and says, we are perplexed but not in despair. What he is saying to us here is this. The word perplexed means to be without resources, to be left wanting, to be embarrassed, to not know which way to turn or what to do, to hesitate or to be in doubt. Paul admitted he faced these circumstances. There were evidently times he did not know what to do. He faced circumstances of great embarrassment, want, perplexity, and pressure by foes. I want to say to you this morning, I believe if that we'll all be honest within ourselves, we've all been in that same place. He was perplexed. He was at a place where he just didn't know what to do. I've called my pastor several times, and many knows that that's my dad. But I've called my pastor several times, and I've made this statement. I just don't know what to do. And Brother Tim, you know what he always says? Then don't do nothing. That's what he always says. I said, Dad, I don't know what to do about this. I'm in a straight between two. I don't know what, which way to go. And here's what he says. Don't do nothing. You better just wait on the Lord. Can I say something to you? There will be times in our life where we are perplexed. We don't know what to do. Let me just say this in passing real quick. Walking away from church and the people of God and the presence of God and the power of God and the book of God is never the right thing to do. There's never a just cause to leave the house of God. You better stay in church when you don't know what to do because it's down at the house of God that the people of God will begin to sing the praises of God and the presence of God will begin to bubble over in my soul and comfort me in my times of trouble. He's perplexed but not in despair. A man may be at his wit's end you ever been there? And I'll just stop and ask you, have you ever been there? Have you ever made that statement? I'm at wit's end. I've made that statement a lot here lately. <laughs> I'm at wit's end. But listen to this, a man may be at wit's end, but he can never be at hope's end while he has the presence of Christ. This is what Paul confirms to us. Paul said there were times when he was perplexed and bewildered, but he was not in despair. The word despair, when studied out, means this, to be utterly at loss, to be utterly destitute of measures or resources, to renounce all hope, to be in despair. Can I say that to you again? Listen to this. Despair means to be utterly at loss, to be utterly destitute of measures or resources, to renounce all hope, to be in despair. Hear me and hear me well. There's never been a time when there's not been hope. Hear me. You said, preacher, our country's in a mess. There's hope for our country. You said, preacher, my home's in a mess. There's hope for your home. You said, preacher, my kids are in a mess. There's hope for your kids. You said, preacher, my marriage is on the bottom. I promise you, if you're living today and God is living today, there is always hope. There's always hope. 
Paul was at a loss, but not a total loss. He was at wit's end, but there was still a way out. He was at the brink of defeat, but not defeated. The apostle was destitute, but not utterly destitute. The wants of Paul were provided for. His embracement were, or his embarrassments were removed. His grounds of perplexity were taken away. An unexpected strength and resource was imparted to him. He faced extreme difficulties, but not without hope, confidence and security because he found these strengths in the Lord Jesus Christ who has never failed and who will never fail. I wish somebody would hear me preach this morning. That's where he found his hope at. I promise you if you go to this world to find that hope, you will be miserable. I promise you if you go to other people to find that hope, you will be miserable. But I sure am glad that in those times when I am perplexed and don't know what to do, there is a God that I can go to. That's always been there. His phone line is never busy. I don't have to email him. I don't have to leave him a message. He's always there and he's always ready to help. This is why Paul was able to keep going forward for Christ in the face of overwhelming obstacles. He was left for dead outside the city of Lystria after being stoned, but the next day he went right back into the city again. Listen to what your Bible said in Acts chapter number 14. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him, or having 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 stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. How be it, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Debbie. You say, preacher, what are you saying? Hey, the world thought they had defeated him. The devil thought they had knocked him down for the last time, and Paul would never rise again. But there was something inside of Paul. Hey, man, you know what? This world may come against you. Uh, storms may come against you. Uh, you may lay your head at night uh, and wonder if you'll ever even see the next day or how you'll face the next day. But aren't you glad that there is somebody living inside of us that we arise each morning and his mercies are new each and every day as the psalm says. I can make it. I don't have to faint. I don't have to throw in the towel. I don't have to quit because of the mercies of God today. Oh, yes. I thought about this. Paul was perplexed at times, but not in despair. He said in 2 Timothy 4, 5, But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of the ministry. This word watch means to be calm and collected in the spirit, to be sober and self-controlled. We are to endure inflictions, hardships, trouble, and fulfill the ministry of the Lord for us. The Lord has for us. We are to be calm and cool and place our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll say this this morning. There's times that we're going to be squeezed, but we don't have to be squashed. There's times that we're going to be confused. We don't have to be confounded. We can be confused, but not confounded. Why was Paul able to keep going? Because of one thing, the person that was living inside of him. I read this. Do you care to come start playing softly? I read this story this week. Many years ago, 
King George VI of England addressed the British Commonwealth on New Year's Eve at a moment in history when the whole world stood on the brink of uncertainty. Despondency and uncertainty filled the air. He could say it was a time, you could say, it was a time of perplexity in the country. The king's own body was raked by cancer. Before the year was over, his life ended. Unaware of his own physical melodies, he uttered these memorial words. Listen to this. I said to the man at the gate of the year, give me a light that I might walk safely into the unknown. Let me just back up and say this. I said to the man at the gate of a year, at the beginning of a new year, I understand it's England the way that they talk, in the beginning of a new year. I said to the man at the gate of the year, give me a light that I might walk safely into the unknown. And he said to me, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. And it shall be to you safer than the light and better than the known. Can I say that again? And he said to me, go out into the darkness and put your hand in the hand of God. It shall be to you safer than the light and better than the known. We are squeezed we are squeezed but just like that fish there's something inside of us that has the same pressure we are confused but just like the man told the great king of England just go out into the dark and put your hand into the hand of God there's not only something inside of us that keeps us from being squashed there's something inside of us that keeps us from being confounded. I don't have to quit. I don't have, hey, next year at this time, next year at this time, I can still be doing what I'm doing right now. You can still be doing what you're doing right now. We are pressured, squeezed, but not squashed. We are perplexed, confused, but not confounded. I hope you'll come back tonight. We are persecuted, harassed, but not helpless. We are plummeted, this is verse 9, knocked down, but not knocked out. Knocked down, but not knocked out. One said it this way, to win the fight, you just got to get up one more time than you're knocked down. We don't have to quit, church. As we're entering into a new year, as we're closing out the greatest year that we've ever had at our church. In 16 years that I've been here, Brother Jim, it's the greatest year we've ever had. Financially, with building, people being saved, world missions, it's the greatest year we've ever had. But along with that, it's come a lot of heartaches. Be honest about it. Been a lot of hospital visits. There's been some trips to Moody's. There's been some trips to the graveyard. But you know what, Brother Josh? There's something inside of me that rises up. 
And as long as I allow it to continue to rise up, I will continue to rise up.